loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming Reverend Patricia Caginello and Kathleen O'Keefe Canavas. Patricia is CEO and founder of Sacred Stories Media, a conscious online media network. As an ordained interfaith, interspiritual minister, Patricia believes every story is a sacred story. She's ordained from One Spirit Interfaith Seminary in New York. She holds a Master's of Arts in Education and a Bachelor's of Science in Business, has worked in the corporate and educational worlds for many years, and proudly served six years as a sergeant in the U.S. Marine Corps. Patricia has authored God is in the Little Things, Messages from the Animals, and God is in the Little Things, Messages from the Golden Angels, and is co-author of Scanning for Signal, a book of poetry. Sacred Stories Media includes Sacred Stories Publishing, an award-winning traditional publishing and marketing company, Garnet Press, a self-publishing book division, and Sacred You, an online course division. Kathleen is accredited in psychopathology and special education. She taught psychology at USF, Fort Myers branch, and taught the severely emotionally handicapped for 10 years and was also special education department head for two years before retiring. She's also known as the Queen of Dreams in her syndicated columns and PR guru, video podcaster, radio show host, Dreaming Healing. A three-time breast cancer survivor whose dreams diagnosed her illness missed by the medical community and the test on which they relied. She's also a multi-award-winning author and dream expert who's been seen on Dr. Oz, Doctors, NBC, and CBS. Kat and with Duke University radiologist Dr. Larry Burke co-wrote the 2018 Nautilus Award winner, Dreams That Can Save Your Life. She's an international author, lecturer, and keynote speaker who promotes patient advocacy and connecting with divine guidance through dreams for success in health, wealth, and relationships. Her motto is, don't tell God how big your problems are, tell your problems how big your God is. They're here today mostly to talk with me about their book, Chaos to Clarity. Welcome, Patricia and Kathleen. Thank you. Thanks, Cheryl. Happy to be here. Happy to have you both. And, um, you know, your, your book, of course, coincides quite nicely with the, with the gist of this show, which is that sometimes these uh, grievous events that happen in our lives eventually do lead to things that are, that are remarkable. You'd both be examples of that, as well as collectors of other people's narratives, about that experience, which is, of course, really much more common than than uh, gets out in the world. So thank you for coming and speaking to to that today. I, I thought welcome. we'd start. I thought we'd start with just uh, obviously ninety nine percent of the people who end up working in this area 
have had their own experiences with with uh, loss or trauma and or trauma um, with difficulty in life uh, coming to a to a surprising end. And I thought we'd just start by hearing from each of you about your own stories. Maybe you could start, Patricia, with what brought you to thinking in this way about change and and um, uh, evolution. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Well, I yes, I lived it, and I lived it through. You know, eight years ago, the year I turned fifty, I uh, I was living, you know, kind of the mainstream soccer mom, married, two kids, you know, four cats and a dog, suburban lifestyle, and I turned fifty, went through an unexpected divorce, uh, sunk into a depression, went through menopause, left my career to kind of figure out what the heck was happening, follow my spiritual path. That's why when I started to uh, think about seminary, uh, all while raising two teenage daughters going through puberty. And so, um, you know, I say the joke is it all happened in one year, and and the joke is it all happened in one year. So it was literally the universe saying, okay, pay attention, right? You know, I think I've been getting, I got the little nudges, as my father would say, throughout my life, but everything was pretty okay, and then everything just wasn't okay any longer. And um, and my unexpected divorce, it was interesting because I was always, the, you know, the strong person. I would look at divorces like, that's oh, a relationship, you know, get over it, you know, move on. You know, I really didn't have, I realized, a lot of empathy maybe for others who were experiencing that form of loss and grief until it happened to me, and it really just kind of ripped open some... And did you, was it, was it that you just couldn't imagine that happening to you or was it that you thought you would weather it differently if that ever happened? I thought I would weather it differently. Exactly. That's exactly where I was going with that is I was surprised, you know, I found myself, um, you know, I say on my bedroom floor in a heap, probably for the first, you know, the first year I was functioning and when I didn't have to function, I was on my bedroom floor in a heap and I was like, what the hell is happening? Like, I don't understand this. I mean, that it affected me so deeply, and I realized that it went to the core. It went to the core of many things that I had maybe just kind of stuffed inward, you know, my whole life. And now, you know, they came kind of rearing their ugly head and Mm. um, really set me on a completely different path in my life. Mm. You know, I had a guest once, Mirabai Starr, who wrote a lot about Dark Nights of the Soul. She's coming to mind right now. And what she says is that they're not, um, they're not when terrible things happen. They're when terrible things happen and none of our previous coping strategies work anymore. Mm. And I yeah. think that's very, that's very um, to your point there, that you, you expected to kind of be able to pick yourself up and go on as you always had, and you had to take a, t- a completely different direction. Um, and then, of course, that's led you in... A very different direction in your life and work, yes? Oh, absolutely. My life is phenomenally different. You know, I left my career and, you know, I was always a really religious person, but I didn't, I never really understood spirituality, the idea of interspirituality and what that was. I I had never really looked at it before. I was, I was kind of like living life or doing life, as I say, you know, I think we're, we're, we're very good at doing life. and, And many times it's, it's good, you know, I, I thought I was happy and didn't really pay a lot of attention. I didn't plan much. I didn't really um, 
give a lot of thought. It's really fascinating now who I am today that I really hadn't given a lot of thought. I was just doing life. Just until life one step in front of the other, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Kathleen, what about you? What, what happened in your life that made you so interested in the potential of, of bad moments leading to change and, um, you know, taking us in surprising directions? Obviously, we know a little well, bit I from your bio, but I'd love to know more. Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, I, I, in keeping with your, your good grief show, I think that, that my grief was when my mother died. I was in my late 30s, and it was a coming-of-age moment because I think that deep down inside, we, we know that at some point it's normal for our parents to die, and that, that it's okay, that's, that's normal in life. Um, it's not normal for a parent, for a child to die before a parent, but for our parents to go ahead of us and, and leave us here basically is normal. But when it happens, um, you know, it, it is really, you're grief stricken. And although it's a coming of age, uh, you're, you're never quite prepared for it, but it is good grief because you now can no longer just pick up a phone and call your parents if you have a question or if you need some guidance. Suddenly, you must rely on everything that they taught you. And there's such an emptiness in you that happens all of a sudden. Um, they're, they're gone, and, and you can really feel it. So I talk in the book about how the moon was full the night that my mom died. And uh, she died a, of, of colon cancer. And um, although the doctors kept saying, oh, you know, she's going to get better, she's going to go home, uh, it was really the pneumonia that that did her in, in the hospital. And so when she did die, I kept questioning all of the the standards and the learning and the belief systems that I had. I, you know, people say, oh, well, they've gone to a better place. They've gone to heaven. But when it really happens to you, you question it. It's like, okay, where is heaven? Blah, blah, blah. I I don't want to hear that anymore. I want to know where she really is. I want to know that she's okay. And that was, um, that was my biggest challenge, uh, coming to terms with where is she really? The same question I'm sure a parent asks themselves when they lose a child. Where is my child right now? And I had been sitting outside. The the call came at about 3 in the morning, which is the hour of souls. It's different from the witching hour of midnight. Um, You know, there's there's a lot of research on how during the hour of souls, souls choose to leave at that time. They they are um, brought to the other side by another soul that has already passed over. So I kept saying, well, who came and got my mom? You know, I I don't want my mom wandering around without me. I want to know that she is okay. And so after I had been crying for quite a long time out on the porch, I went in and I, I got back into bed with my husband, and I suddenly smelled my mother, uh, and I felt someone climb into bed behind me and wrap their arms around me. And suddenly I realized that love never dies and that when our loved ones do pass over, I don't know if they get a a special 
card to be able to come back, you know, within the first uh, 12 hours or something, just to kind of tap us on the shoulder and say, hey, look, we're okay. You can mm-hmm. keep moving forward. Everything's going to be okay. This really is um, grief, but it's a good grief. I've moved on, and I'll be there when you come. And so that's basically what, what the story and my experience of that coming of age is all about how love never dies. And grief is a part of life just as death is a part of life. And when we learn to uh, embrace it and really accept it for what it is, um, we're able to move on and move on in a very healthy manner. One thing that's implied in what you're saying, Kat, is that uh, you had a... uh, good relationship with your mom you know that that i had a good a really good relationship and and like any good mother daughter relationship man we could fight sure (laughs) that that is not ruled out by but but, you know i i think i think that that uncomplicates grief to an extent right um that it's it's simple The, the body died but there isn't a lot of, I, I've found that when people are, have a lot of regret, uh, mm-hmm. it's harder. It's actually harder uh, sometimes when a relationship isn't so good. You were just trying to yeah, figure out, right. you were just longing for her, weren't you? <laughs> sort of right. wishing and, and, I, she was. and I did do soul searching to see if I had done everything I needed to do or could have done to To try and help her work through her her illness, and I came to the conclusion that I had. But one of the things that I, I point out I also in the story is, you know, at that moment after they've died, I think that there's a lot of forgiveness that happens on the part of the person who passes over. And in a way, they want to come back for a few seconds, whether it's through your dreams or, you know, climbing into bed with you to spoon, like my mom did, to say everything's okay, it's all good, Um, move on. And so I think people who have regrets, maybe they didn't part on the best of terms, um, that's all part of life, and I don't think uh, that I don't think beating yourself up over it is going to help anyone. Everything that happened happened for a reason, and I believe it was supposed to happen the way it happens. Quite often, we actually push away the people that we really, really love when they're getting ready to die, so that we can let go. And I saw that happen. A lot in my classroom with my special ed children, when they were getting ready to move back into the regular classroom, they would act out mm. in my room because they were trying to distance themselves from me in order to make the break from me a little bit easier because they were so dependent upon me. That's interesting. And then, of course, not too long after that, I know in your life, uh, cancer came, which again, is a big identity shift, isn't it? Um, you know, it, it, it kind of, for most of the people I work with who have faced cancer, it changes your definition of yourself and your world quite a bit, typically. Was that true for you? Oh, oh, absolutely. Um, you know, in, the, in the, uh, the other story in the book under health and wellness, 
um, I'll Stand By You. I'm talking about dreaming. The, the title is Dreaming Healing Again because it was at that point that I was actually having dreams about recurrent cancer, and I didn't want to believe the dreams because my dreams diagnosed my cancer all three times. So I didn't want to believe those dreams, but it turned out that the dreams were true and they were validated by pathology reports, which, again, when it comes to grief, our dreams can be such great inner guidance uh, because I really believe our dreams are sacred doorways to the divine. And through those doorways can come our loved ones who can still give us guidance. And during that time, my mother was very active in my dreams and reassuring me because I had never in my life known anyone who had survived recurrence, and especially not a 9 by 11 centimeter area. I was, I was pretty sure I was going to die. So all of that led both of you, I guess I would say, and led you to each other, I suppose, and also led you to uh, this idea that uh, really embracing change, which is counterintuitive for most humans, you know, we're, we're biologically programmed to resist change, <laughs> to want pattern, um, but actually learning to go with change uh, can can really uh, increase our aliveness, shall we say? And I don't want to sh- uh, take short shrift on that subject since it's the main idea of your book. So it's about time for a break. Let's go to our break, and when we come back, talk about this idea of embracing change and how you and some of the people that wrote for your book uh, found their way to that because I think uh, – you know, some of my early losses, I resisted quite a bit. And then some moment came where I said, let's go with it. (laughs) So um, I'd like to know what that's like for both of you when we come back. Listeners, you'll find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America, uh, links to everything. And to find both Patricia, sorry, Patricia Caganiello and and Catherine Kathleen, I'm really misspeaking today. <laughs> you can go to their uh, <laughs> publishing page, SecretStoriesPublishing.com, and look for their book, um, Chaos to Clarity. Be back after the break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. What sets apart voiceamerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main voiceamerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Are you living a healthy and fit lifestyle? It's not just related to your physical well-being. It also means a healthier mind, confidence, improved health, 
stamina, and fitness. Talking with Tremaine brings it all to you. Host Tremaine Ellis, along with her husband and co-host David Ellis, will offer support, advice, guidance, and motivation to keep you in your best shape, both physically and mentally. Talking with Tremaine can be heard live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Be sure to like the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel on Facebook. You'll find great health tips from the experts. Find out more about your favorite shows and talk back to our team. Search Voice America Health or click the like button under the player today. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Patricia Caginello and Kathleen O'Keefe Canavas about mostly about their what led them to edit the book uh, Chaos to Clarity. And before the break, I was um, just inviting us to come back and talk about this fear of change versus embracing change. I guess I would say, having read the book, that all the 30 people that contributed to it, eventually got to the place where they allowed for change or they embraced change or they welcomed change, <laughs> you know, that, uh, but usually that it's kind of, I, f- I feel I'm much better at it having had to embrace such a huge change in my life when my wife died. But, um, you know, in general, we, we run kicking and screaming, don't we? Uh, I was really interested, and I'd love you to talk about it, Kathleen, this, uh, I'm going to let you say the word for fear of change. (laughs) Not that I couldn't say it, but you'll say it better. (laughs) I've never heard this word before. Can we start our conversation there? Sure, and, and I have to tell the audience that my husband's Greek. So when I showed him this word and said, okay, what is this? Because I was doing research on change from a, a psychological point of view because I, I look at all the stories in the book from a psychologist or a, the psychology point of view. And um, Patricia looks at it from the spiritual or the reverend point of view. And so I showed him this word. He goes, oh, yeah, that's metathesiophobia. And uh, he says, meta means change. So that's it. It's metathesiophobia, and it is the fear of change. And the, the next fear that is right under it is topophobia, which is the fear of moving, which is connected to the fear of death. So, you know, a lot of people say, move. You mean I've, I've got to change jobs and I've got to move? And a lot of times they can have a, you know, a challenging physical response. To that, and so uh, if they're listening right now and they're getting ready to do that, don't feel like you're alone. It's right up there with the fear of change. And and I suppose that does have some, you know, evolutionary importance if you're 
trying to stick with a tribe and get some patterns going to keep yourselves safe together and all of that, uh, creating patterns would, would help you survive, I suppose. But I, as, a, as, as someone who sits in my office with people trying to change and resisting change every day, um, I know that it can also be so counterproductive when we get attached to things that aren't working. And uh, Patricia, I, I feel as if that's sort of what you were talking about, that your, your life was going along okay. Uh, you know, it wasn't bad, but uh, it also wasn't as good as it could be. Is that fair to say, when, you're, when your husband left that terrible year? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was, it was good enough. Everything was good enough. And, and I, you know, I don't really know that I was feeling resistant to change in that way. I think I just was doing life, you know? I mean, I think I was. And, and um, for me, I think that it's interesting because, you know, talking about change and even all the things you mentioned, Kat, they're all related to change, right? And so it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting because even when we were talking about the book, and, you know, it started with story. It started with stories. You know, the publishing company is called Sacred Stories, and it was really about the, our life stories and sharing the power of story. That's where I kind of came in with this because I felt that that's so important. We learn, we share, we grow through story. Um, and when we were started talking about what kind of topics would we want to ask for, we realized that as we were going through all these different types of life events, they all were change events. It doesn't matter what happens. It's a change in our life, you know, when Mm -hmm. an event happens. And so that's how we just kind of ramped it up to change and just put it out the umbrella of change and to see what else people would send back, you know. Um, So um, I think it's fascinating that, People resist change so much because change and life are almost synonymous in so many ways, you know. But like you said, we're hardwired, I guess, to do that. To want yeah, to but then there's, you know, for instance, today is my, my granddaughter's birthday. She's one today. Happy birthday, Ava. Um, and uh, just looking at the picture of her today and, of course, on my feed of pictures, her, the day she was born, popped up. I mean phenomenal change isn't it in that beginning of life that the child seems to run hurdle towards they want to do the next thing they they uh most babies embrace change otherwise they'd never walk but somewhere along the line that becomes even with my grandsons who are older you know they're they're more cautious they're more uh they get attached much more. Um, so it's interesting to watch that process, uh, you know, from the very beginning of life that, that happens. Well, you know what's really interesting, and, and Kat mentioned it before, but and you had mentioned, you know, us, you know, edit, you know editing the book. We were, we were really conscious of wanting to be authors, you know, to be co-authors and then have contributing authors because we had voices that we wanted to share. So... So I speak on the spirituality of change, and Kat speaks on the psychology of change, um, and plus we share our own stories. But the reason that was very important, you know, at least to me, and Kat, I'll let you share your reason, but the reason that was so important to me is because change was the golden nugget for me to 
really my spiritual transformation. It's what opened up life in a completely different way for me than I ever would have experienced. And even though it was really difficult, and even though I probably cried a million tears and shook my fist at, you know, the heavens thousands of times and said, what the hell is happening? And I'm not sure I really chose some of this. Um, the other side of that, there's just this this expansiveness in this life um, and this, this deepening into life that has happened because of this change. And so for me, from a spiritual perspective, and what is important that I share with people is the idea that change can, can be that golden nugget. It can be that catalyst that can open you spiritually. Um, and for many, many people it does. And, and truly then that becomes, I believe, an adventure, you know, the adventure of your life. And I imagine, Kat, you would agree with that, but it sounds as if Patricia's saying you might have a slightly different angle, you know, from a, from a psychological view uh, of course, the two intersect so much. I, I'm always um, myself, uh, both putting them together and differentiating them. But um, do you have something you'd like to add there? Well, yeah, I, I agree with everything that Patricia said. Um, but I, but I also uh, add when when people are resisting change that without change, there's no future. Um, change and chaos is is the beginning of a new creation. Everything new is created out of some form of chaos. We, we know that even with the Big Bang. Um, and so without change, there can be no future. And, and I give the example of the dinosaurs. They could not adjust to the world changing, the environment changing. And so they're extinct. Um, and I believe that the little caveman who is living in his cave, has been able to make enough adjustments now that, that that being or those types of people are now living in smart homes. And that shows you how much mankind has changed, whereas the dinosaurs were not able to do that. So change is good. And as painful as it is, uh, it's all part of the progress of time. And so even just, just uh, Patricia and I hooking up, and deciding we were going to do this book, Chaos to Clarity. And when we saw the, the level of success that it immediately had, it was a bestseller before it was even launched, we said, let's do a series because we believe this book can really help other people using uh, stories as, as a means of guidance. And, um, you know, that was change for us both. We both had perfectly good careers. We were both, uh, you know, very busy, but we had to change our lives in order to fit this in. You know, I have this idea that people who have kind of gone to the depths um, have, how do I want to put it? They, they go a little more easily towards what calls them, even if it involves a lot of disruption. Uh, kind of listening to maybe it relates to what you were saying patricia about uh you know going to your depths uh learning your own depths and being able to listen to yourself better uh that remains often after you've come out of the worst of it so to speak uh 
and and turns into I I know many people who seem to uh you know follow the lead of their intuition much more after experiences like that for instance have you found that to be true as well Absolutely and I I think it's important also though for you know listeners who maybe are still you know, within the change or shortly after the change has happened and maybe are still struggling to a great degree to realize that it it does take time. And I believe it takes practice. Life is a practice. Everything is a practice, right? So, so I'm eight years past, you know, that, that I, where I felt like my life completely changed and shifted and, and where I am today is not where I was two years ago or four years ago or whatever. You know what I mean? So I think I think we learn, we grow, and I think as with anything else, with experience, we have the tools, similar to, you know, what you were saying with Mirabai was saying earlier, we have more coping skills or tools or knowledge or receive support in different ways that we know we can continue. You know what I mean? I mean, I, yes. I could write 10 books on, and, and maybe one day I will, you know, on all the different ways kind of the universe has showed up in support, you know, when I thought this is it, you know, I'm just throwing in the towel on this one, and support in, in so many different ways showed up, and so you start to believe, you know, you start to believe, you start to trust, you start to cope, uh, you start to develop skills, and and so I would say that Yes to what you're saying, but for all of those reasons, you know, so we can shift quick, more quickly because we have the experience to do it, uh, even in the, and it's hard, so true. but you know, I'll take it. Yeah. So true. Because I, I guess, uh, you know, in the almost a decade that my wife was ill, uh, I've known people who during that period of time, uh, were entirely focused on it won't happen right? <laughs> she, she won't die, you know? And um, we weren't, we were, we don't know what will happen. So we're preparing for whatever happens. And so engaged in a lot of different practices to learn how to be with ourselves, no matter what, if that makes sense. And that served me incredibly after she died. You know, I could, I could, if it was a day where I'm, I was crying all day, that's what it was. And it was, I didn't, uh, I didn't feel wrong about it or I didn't really resist it. It just was what it was. Um, so I think we can practice. And, and then what you're saying is we also learn every time we go through a teaching, a change moment. Uh, I'm still learning. And you know what? And that's tied to grief as well. You know, in our book, cast the clarity you know there's 30 authors and and some of the stories are heartbreaking they are heart-wrenching stories um and some aren't you know some are life stories and some are joyful stories you know it really runs the gamut i guess that's you know what life is like right but the stories that speak to grief um and the ones that went through grief it you know every I'm sure you've had this many times on your show. You know it is a process, right? And as you go through the stages and as you go through the process, you do. You learn, you cope, you you um, find a way to, to, to move on. And then things, you know, I don't ever want to say easier or whatever, but they, you, they're easier for you to cope with. 
possibly, or you've developed the skills skills to do it. And in our book, the people that have shared their stories of grief, of deep grief, one of the things we did ask them was to um, don't just tell us the story and leave us in the grief. You know, bring us all the way through to where you are today. You know, show us the positive, even if it's a positive perspective, something positive that came from the experience. And what we found, Cheryl, which was really fascinating, is even the ones that went through some really heart-wrenching grief, many of them went on to be of service to others and help others and and, um, develop organizations, businesses, uh, even reach out in charitable ways to give back to the world. And and that was their their positive outcome. And I think that's really... What's important um, for me, what's coming from this book, is for people to know that there's hope and there's, you know, there's a way through, there's support, and that there's always a choice. We have a choice on what we do as we're moving through and, and moving on. Um, and one of those is to give back to others. You know, uh, I, I, uh, I've had a guest a couple of times, actually, who um, talks about... Uh, the connection between grief, love, and generosity, that at a certain point, not at the start, most people don't don't immediately have, they might have the impulse, but not the energy to give a lot. But as time goes on and, and grief is more integrated, there is very, very frequently an impulse to give back. Uh, maybe I can make it a little bit, of course, most guests on my show describe this, maybe I can make it a little bit easier for someone else. Maybe I've learned some things I want to share. You'd be both of you quite good examples of that, wouldn't you? Me too, for that matter. Um, that that is actually maybe a natural part of, of change is that once we've learned something, um, we want to share it and, mm-hmm. and give back in some way. Uh, and I agree that many, many of your um, of your guests fall into that category. And Kathleen, the other thing that stands out from what I've read about you is the the you know declarative statement change is good for us. And we've got a couple of minutes now, and then I want to come back to that after the break because it's different than the message change is doable. Uh, the idea that it's good for us is not something a lot of people necessarily in, embrace. They kind of they they might come to embrace. I'll change if I have to. Uh, and so I wondered if you could talk a little bit about what's so good about change for us. What what do we get out of change? <laughs> oh, it looks like it, it is getting time for the break. So I'm going to hold that until the end, so I don't have to interrupt you. Um, So when we come back, I'd love to hear from you about that. And listeners, you can find my links at the Good Grief page at Voice America and to find Patricia Caginello and Kathleen O'Keefe Canavos, you can go to sacredstoriespublishing.com. Be back soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent 
inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision-making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, there is hope. Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh King. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I've been talking with uh, Patricia Caganiello and Kathleen O'Keefe Conovos about their book, uh, Chaos to Clarity. And before the break, Kat, I was um, I was hoping we could come, I mentioned wanting to come back and talk about how change is good for us, as opposed to change is doable. Um, could you talk a little bit about your perception? I have my own ideas, but I'd love to hear yours about what is good for us about change. Why is it good for us? What do we get out of it? Into my mind is the, you know, the, the um, question many of us ask ourselves at some time in our, in our life, is this all there is? <laughs> is this yeah. it? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, change is good because it is the natural flow into a future. And so if you're asking yourself, gosh, is this all it is, you know, getting up at the crack of dawn every morning, getting into a car, driving miles and miles to a job I'm not crazy about, working with people who don't really, you know, ring my bell, um, maybe the answer is you need to change. And change is good. Um, you know, and, and, it, and again, it, it kind of points to the idea of the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. Um, don't stick with the devil you know. Imagine moving into an angel you would want to embrace. Uh, mm. And many, in many of the stories in the book, um, the authors stayed with the devil they knew in a relationship that they knew that was hell on earth until their backs were up against a wall and they were actually fighting for their lives. And I don't think we need to really reach that point. I think at a point much sooner than that, we can say, you know, is this all there is, or is it time for a change? And when you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, is it time for a change, and see yourself smile, the answer is yes, and change is good. You know, there's something in there, too, about um, the, the 
path. So here's what I'm thinking. When everything is stripped down, uh, you can't stay the same. Uh, I think part of the power of these moments where uh, there are terrible losses or illnesses or divorces, whatever it is, they're all losses, really. Uh, It's not possible. The universe has kind of made it impossible to keep doing the same thing. And the same being fired from a job or being evicted or, you know, uh, and so at that point, we kind of have a choice to, um, I don't know, hit the air or uh, take a chance because those things we've been kind of holding on to aren't there anymore anyway. Uh, There's not as much. It's harder to have a pretty good life as as Patricia was describing and say, you know what? I need a change. I'm going to have to, it's, it's harder to do that when nothing is terribly bad, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, no, I, you know, I just want to interject for a moment. This is Patricia because, you know, absolutely. You know, I have to, I think what helped me the most as far as uh, embracing the change, if I, I think I've done that at this point, but, you know, there was a time when, when I was considering, you know, exiting, as I say, this lifetime. You know, I was really in a really dark place, and I didn't know if I was going to continue and if I wanted to continue and what the point of it all would be anyway. And I didn't feel like I had any value, and I didn't feel that it would really make that big of a difference if I left this world or not. So why not just leave and... Um, you know, for a lot of reasons, and in some of them I've actually written about, you know, I decided to stay. I decided to stay um, mainly for one of my children. And when I would keep coming back to, okay, well, I'm here, <laughs> I'm here you know, and I decided to stay, you know, really the, uh, the idea of, like, what is it all for? What's it all about? Why am I even going through this? And, and if I'm here, then let me... Let me try my very hardest to make the most of it. You know, I really don't, I really do believe there is a grander design and there is a larger reason and purpose that we're here. And when I would, and maybe that's a spiritual perspective, but when I would go to that, when I would say, you know what, I'm here, there has to be a bigger purpose, a bigger reason for me, um, so I'm going to continue, it gave me the, the strength, even when I didn't think I had the strength. To, to to dig deep enough to go on. And um, and I think that that, I don't know, honestly, Cheryl, if that answers where you were going with that, but I think it's important to be said because I think especially on a show like Good Grief, you know, there's a lot of people who I'm sure have felt like I've felt, you know, and if Cheryl sure. questions like what, why do I even want to endure this? And it just is too hard. And um, and no one will miss me anyway. So I might as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, suicide is depression one of the... talking. Yes, yeah, depression. That's the voice of absolutely. depression. But I always absolutely. feel I, I've even probably done this out loud sometimes when I'm working with someone who's that depressed, and they say, "I don't want to live," and I always add in my head, "This way anymore." I don't want to live mm. this way anymore. It's like a pattern uh, interrupt. That's what you, just, that's you know, because because interrupt. there's there's sort of a uh, an incredible when you when you've you know if I'm working with a couple sometimes when they're about to break up and they say, well, we can break up. We don't have to keep doing this. Sometimes they make remarkable changes 
because they're not as attached, you know, they've already let go in a way. Um, right. Not that I would ever want someone to have to get to that, that place, but it is true that when you're stripped down to that kind of bedrock place, the, the risk of trying something new is not as great. Uh, you know, we're not, there are not all these secondary um, goodies that we're getting out of how we're doing it. You know, they're gone. Right. They're not, they're but not you helping. Know what was really, but you know what really made the shift for me, and, and hopefully this will help somebody who's listening, is I really felt that in my pain that nobody could feel as bad as I was feeling. I could not believe that anybody else could ever understand. And whenever anybody would say, how are you feeling? I'd say, fine fine because I figured they really didn't want to know anyway right I'm doing fine until one day I received a text from one of my uh, cousins male cousin out in California and he said you know how you, how you doing and I texted back fine and then he said something like well, how are you really doing and, um, and <laughs> he didn't believe alpha. you <laughs> he didn't believe me right this big alpha male who had been divorced right and I said well you know it's, it's a little it's a little it's a little harder than I thought like, I gave him just a little bit of an opening. And he texted He texted back. Again, this is my, like, macho, you know, male cousin living the life in California. And he, he texts me and says, may peace find you and wrap you like a warm blanket. And, mm-hmm. Cheryl, when I read that, I was like, what did he just text me? Like, I was totally blown out of the water. And I started to cry. And I, and I realized, again, for the millionth time, but I said, I realized, oh, my God. I think he understands how I'm feeling. I could not believe the, the kindness and the love that came through that one sentence that he texted me. But what it did, in short, would allow me to be like, wow, if he understands how I'm feeling, then he must have felt it too. And that opened the freaking world to me. And then I said, if he's felt it, then other people must have felt it. And I started looking almost like the world is almost like the walking wounded. I mean, I learned empathy in that moment. I honestly God, don't think I understood what empathy was. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that other people were hurting probably worse than I was hurting from different traumas, that, you know, and I wasn't alone, that's when things started shifting. And I started literally living also for others and wanting to help others. And honest to God, that's what I'm hoping that our book, Chaos to Clarity, does, because that's the that's the love that's the support that's the hand these people showing up telling their deepest darkest hurts in the hope of that someone else can can learn from it grow from it feel less alone from it you know and so um um so i think that's when that's when it shifts it shifts when yes we reach bottom and we go well shoot i have a choice and there's not much I have left to lose. But I think we also shift when, when we can hear from somebody, read something in any way at all, realize that, you know, we're really not completely alone. And people do care, whether we know them or yes. not. Yes. And care. you're also talking about uh, the process of going to, from the unique to the universal, that when a loss first happens, it feels to me like it's, no one can understand in a way because no one has had that exact loss of that exact person. You know, it's very specific at first and very, 
focused on a particular thing, but over time, I've noticed this too, it, it breaks into a universal place. Oh, people experience pain. People experience loss. People experience illness. You know, we have as humans these potential catastrophes in common. Uh, and so at some point it starts joining us to others, yes? I agree. So I want to mention that you are actually um, coming out with another, you've decided to make this book, uh, Chaos to Clarity, a series, correct? Yes. Yes, book two is, um, is, we've started book two, we're just opening up submissions for book two. Um, There's actually the information's on the website, and we'll be sharing more information about that in a couple weeks, but but we've had so many requests from people that that have read book one saying, when's book two coming, and from from other people writing us and saying, I'd like to share my story as well, you know, uh, you know, will you be doing a a second book? So, so we feel that this book, um, because of truly the heart and the soul, really the spirituality and the psychology and the, the depth of the stories, you know, it's, it's really reaching people on a level that um, is needed in today's world. And so, yes, yes, there will be a book, too, and I encourage people to go to sacredstoriespublishing.com and, and uh, click on where it says Book Project and get some information. I feel that so... Um... Uh, in the same direction as this show because I, the listeners I talk to listen because, uh, and I remember this before my wife died, when my friend's wife died, and I watched exactly how she handled things. You know, it helped me so much to know, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I know it's doable because my friend's doing it. You know, mm-hmm. I think we can offer that to each other as humans, a kind of signpost for what's possible. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that's continuing as a direction for the two of you. Thank you. Yeah. We have just we have later. just a couple of well, we're almost out of time. Any any last final word, especially from you, Kat? Um, just uh, how you know we're we're all connected, as you said, we're all connected by universal oneness, and uh, the stories in our book, in this book, and the next book that comes out, and all of of the change that we all experience is all part of the butterfly effect of this universal oneness where the, the flapping of tiny wings of change can be felt all around the world and can uh, that's, actually affect that's, us. That's, the, that, the cousin called Pat, Patricia. Um, yeah, we're going to have to leave it there, but that's a great place to end. And to find Patricia Caginiello and Kathleen O'Keefe Canavos, go to sacredstoriespublishing.com. Next week, I'll have Gary Malkin returning to the show to talk about how he's used music to support living our best best lives. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.